Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. How many like God's word? How many love God's word? You love the word of God? That is so boring and weird, and I just have one, but it's dusty. It's because once you open that thing, and then you get a, you get a confirmation of something in the text that happened in your own life, you're like, whoa, is that coincidence? And then, and then you, you read a little more, and all of a sudden, something else happens in your life, and you're like, whoa, was that a coincidence? And, and the Bible keeps talking about me. Has anybody ever had that? Or sometimes maybe the Bible speaks to the sermon, and you go, that sermon was speaking to me. That's how God shows you his word is alive. That's how, you show you, how he shows you it's alive. That's why it's never been defeated. I, I, a really good book on, on, on apologetics for, for the Christian walk, the defense of the gospel, is um, it's called um, In Defense of the Gospel by Josh McDowell. It's this big old fat book, and I dare you to just read chapter one. It'll change your life. It goes into all the statistics of, of you can take Christianity out of this and go into the statistics alone of Christ versus every other leader to ever exist. It goes into, I've talked about this before because I, I, I really believe in it. It's a really cool book for people who don't know anything about church and they want to know why Jesus. So you can be a really good math, mathematician and go in here and go, okay, I get why Jesus because this is statistically impossible what has taken place um, through, through the biblical text. So really cool book um, in defense of the gospel, Josh McDowell. There's multiple revisions of it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 28. This is Jesus speaking to the apostles, in particular, Peter. How many like Peter? How many, how many know Peter? I know him. I see him all the time in the mirror. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day, be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. Mm-mm. Zoro snap. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What? You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. That's one of my favorite verses, by the way. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus is saying, must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. That takes faith. It's easier just to talk about it, or think about it. But to do it, that's hard. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, my name's sake, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? Everybody say the whole thing, the whole world, yet forfeit their soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in, the, his, come in his Father's glory with his angels right now. Here comes the Son of Man through the air conditioner. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, he's referencing there the resurrection, the ascension, the witness after the death and resurrection. But today, specifically, I want to focus on this interaction with Peter, which I've used before, but in different ways. I want to speak to leaders today. How many leaders are in God's house today? If you're a leader, raise your hand. 
You can be a humble leader. Come on, nobody's a leader in here. Everybody's a follower. We're all leaders, you know that? Did you know you're a leader and may not know it? You are all leaders. You just may not know what you're leading or how to lead. None of us in God's kingdom were meant to be followers only. We are to become a follower so we can become a leader. And that's the only reason. That's the only reason. I'll quit preaching for a minute and go back to the Bible here. My title today is called Leading Out of Context. Oh, this is good. And all you're going to go, this is a leadership talk. No, it's a talk for people in the church, people out of the church, because everybody is called to lead, so we must lead in context of God's will. Leading out of context. We all know Peter here has a passion for his friend, his shepherd, his God, his Messiah, following Jesus. And he has good intention, but he lacks understanding quite often. And it gets him in a state of confusion with God's word. Preach it, Camilla. Peter's intent was good, but he was out of context with his understanding. And this message today is not to point out intentional misdirection by leaders, but rather a call to leaders to help them understand the context of God's word so that we don't teach it incorrectly. If you're being led today, how about this? Is anybody being led today? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand if you're being led to something. Okay. Did Corona, did corona freeze your body parts? <laughs> Come on, people. It's okay. It's okay to be, be family in here. If you're being led, then you were called to lead. Ooh, accountability. Yes, it's biblical. If you're being led, you were called to lead. So how do we lead? It's determined by how effective others will be in sharing the good news. It's, it's, it determines that. And the harmony and leadership is what makes this mission effective. And disharmony and leadership makes this mission a failure not effective. There is nothing worse than a lack of harmony in the world and even more so in God's house claiming the mission of the gospel. So when you have disharmony, you have what the Bible calls quicksand. So you have to have a strong foundation, which that's why Bible, the Bible says a one accord, one mind. The body, is, the body of Christ is, is one accord, one mind, one mission. And if everybody has the vision, there's no mission. There's a vision that we all execute according to the shepherd, according to the leadership of God's kingdom. And that's how God designed it with intention because when you lose that, you start leading out of context. It becomes, it becomes a me thing. A leader's not as, the title doesn't make you a leader. The, the actions of the person makes you a leader. The title is after. I don't know if anybody has read the, uh, the five levels of leadership, not to get corporate on you, but the first level is someone who has the title but is not leading. That's called a failed leader. That's because you can be, you can be titled something, but it doesn't mean you're, you're stepping into it. And so if you want to be titled something by God, you have to be already stepping into it and doing the things. And God says, I'll promote you early, and the world will recognize it later. And that's how, it's, how it always works with God. So we do first. We get the recognition second. What we do in private, God rewards openly and so on. We know, that we know those those texts. We know if we, if we have different visions and, and a distorted context of God's will in, in, a, in a house, the house can't stand because the Bible says you're building your house on quicksand. So this is very relevant 
in today's world. This is very relevant in today's church. Are you leading today with unintentional misdirection? So Peter here was not intentionally doing completely the opposite of God's will here. But you realize Jesus just rebuked the devil out of Peter. Now, that may be hard to hear, but as much as I love y'all, I would imagine Jesus loved Peter maybe just as much or more, and he rebuked the devil out of Peter right then. Okay? So that tells me something. That tells me you can have the best intention in the world. You can think, you can think good of the, the mission, but if you're out of context, you can be damaging the process. It's really important. And this is, this, is, this is like Pastor Brandon spoke, Mike. I mean, it starts with the doors. It starts with the interactions. It starts with our engagement with people through, through the ushers and, and through, through the pastors and through the classrooms and through the oak kids. Everything is leading. If you're, if you're here, for, this is so cool, watch this. If you're here for the first time coming to church and you've never been to church, you're leading someone else who's never been. You don't know that you're touching somebody right now. Remember when we bought chairs? Who do we buy chairs for? People that have never even come in these doors yet. We bought 400 chairs. Yes, they're being shipped this month. I don't know where we're going to put them, but we'll have them. <laughs> we're going to save them for when the, when the room's done. We got 400 seats coming for people we've never met yet. That's faith. We act, God delivers. Not to quote Kevin Costner, but if you build it, they will come. You didn't know Kevin was spiritual in that movie. I think he stole it from the Bible. If you act first in faith, God will root up the harvest from what you've tilled in the ground. So we're doing that. We're just going to keep building the thing until finally those people go, was, was my neighbor who said they went to that church, was that them who went there? I think I'm going to go. You just led them to God's house. You didn't even invite them. God did. God used you to be a vessel. Isn't that good? So now, therefore, we can get that off the table. We are all leaders in the house now. So everybody, raise your hand. I'm a leader. Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. Is that a song, like a kid's song? I don't know. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Now, I can get them to do that, but I can't get them to praise. (laughs) If you're happy and you know it, Jesus, clap your hands. All right. All right. Now we're praising worship. We're opening up. Good. That's good. So whatever your realm of leadership is today, even if it's one you don't even know yet, are you doing so with unintentional misdirection and calling it God's word, calling it God's will? Peter, if I had to describe him perfectly, I think of two adjectives. I think of bold and blind. Bold, yes, Camilla. Peter, yes, not you. You're only a baby. She says, are you talking about me, Daddy? No, I'm not, babe. Bold and blind. I don't know about you, but I've looked in the mirror, and I've seen Peter a few times. Has anybody else ever felt bold but then blind? Blindsided. Not seeing it like you thought. Not knowing that the thing shrunk on you, and you put your hoodie on today, and you're like, am I getting fatter? Is this thing getting smaller? It's just not what I thought. I'm stretching it stretching it. Michelle, did you shrink this? She said, no, but it's always been the same. I said, well, something's changing. See, see, we can be bold with God's word, but blind to what we're preaching, blind to what we're sharing to our friends up in the lobby, 
up in the, and I'm not saying this lobby, I'm just saying any lobby. Like we can walk out of here and immediately go back to Satan. We can be Peter on, Peter on Acts 2 when we're in the auditorium, and we can leave and be Peter now rebuking the devil out of uh, speaking, speaking ill. We call it ill in the rap game. I'm not a rapper, but I'm just saying we, Peter was speaking ill when he got to the lobby because he started getting critical of Jesus. He started getting critical of how, and he started kind of casting seed. Well, now Peter didn't talk like that because I, I know Peter because I've seen him. But he was so confident and ignorant at the same time. So he was bold and blind. And it's good to be bold Christians at One Seed Church, but we cannot be walking blind. Otherwise, we can be hurting lives. We can be hurting people. That's what, that's what leading is, is when someone leads us, we start, um, they instill into us their attributes, and then we take that, and we instill them into the next person. And so that's why Jesus was the shepherd. And then he discipled the 12 and they became the 12 and those 12 started. You know, so they just kept passing down the attributes of God. And that's what the church is. Anything else is not the church. Even if we label it that in 2022. Oh, that's good. You can label it what you want. But if it's not God's word and the attributes of his fruits, it's not God. And it could be. Jesus trying to say, get behind me, Satan. So bold is good, but we got to see with our boldness, spiritual eyes. Jesus warned us to have our spiritual eyes and ears open at all times. But we've hit this. I'm guilty of this. I can be kind of like, I'm better now that I'm 43, but like you can't tell me anything. I used to be that way a lot. I think it's called stubbornness. And we can get to where we stop absorbing direction. And instead, all we do is challenge the system. We stop absorbing direction. So then we start driving by our own assumptions. And that's where we're no longer following the leader, but creating our own path that maybe now is conflicting with God's will. And that's what Peter was doing right there. And he didn't even mean to. It wasn't even intentional. This is about unintentional misdirection. If it's unintentional, we all can do it, and we all probably have done it. I know I've done it. I've done it as a dad, a pastor, a brother, a son, a friend. So what I have to do is train my, myself to always check myself with God's word in my decisions. Not just when people see me at church and I'm wearing the pastor hat, but when nobody knows it's me at the gas station in Kingdom City and they almost run us over again and I want to go back to my flesh, Vince, that's when I got to remember, does this check with God's word? There's a great gas station there and people drive full speed through the parking lot. If you ever want to play Frogger, go there. So good. But the bathrooms are really nice, the cleanest around. We always stop there when we're traveling back and forth. Good beef sticks. If your kids like beef sticks, they got them. Anyway, when we stop absorbing from the leader, we start driving by assumption. That's a dangerous place. Assumption is a, 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 a post result of presumption. Presumption is a really dangerous place in God's walk. When you are presumptuous, when we are presumptuous, we are not humble. Because presumption is now concluding without direction. And so that's a dangerous place. And that's kind of what Peter did here. He, 
he, he, he assumed and he presumed this was bad because he saw pain towards his friend and his shepherd. But God says, you have it backwards because you have not had the revelation yet of what this mission is about. So as much as I love you, Peter, and I want to use you, Peter, you're not ready yet because you're stopping the mission. So get behind me, said the Lord. All my musicians will like this illustration. I'm not picking on drummers here, but I'm going to use the drums as an illustration. So the very first time, so we, all, we got a lot of musicians in here. The first time I was ever in a band and played guitar for, for another, like, singer, uh, I was just like Stevie Ray, like, blues licks, blues licks. It's country music. I was just like, woo, and she's singing like a slow song. I'm just bang, solo, 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 solo. So, like, like, I thought it was good, but I was destroying the atmosphere of the collaboration of the harmony in, in the band, Right? And, and musicians know that less is more and that the layers of everyone together create this single output, right? And that's what's so beautiful about music. It's like the ultimate love language that can speak to any age, any, any language, any, any culture from the world. Well, this other time at One Seat Church, I'll tell you another funny one. At One Seat Church, we'll call him George, who's no longer playing drums at One Seat Church, um, he didn't normally play drums for the church, but one day he's like, can I sit in because, because uh, the drummer was sick? And so this was back at the movie theater. That's all I'm going to tell you. And um, we're like singing, you know, our God is greater. Our God is greater. Like the Energizer Bunny got behind there, you know? Like, like it did not work with the group's collab. You see what I'm saying? So he had a really good intention. He had all the passion, Mike, to play. But he just turned the devil on the worship, and everybody gave us deer and headlights. If I asked Nalani if she remembered that, she's probably saying, which time? <laughs> which building? Which time? In what year? <laughs> That's an inside worship team joke. Anyway. You guys are like, it was so good that day, too. They don't know we're talking about that same Sunday, Jen. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is music is a perfect illustration for how the harmony of the church body is supposed to operate and how, how the context of God's word is supposed to operate amongst us and our brethren and sisters. When someone gets out there and just starts clanging the tambourine or, or whatever those big things are, or they start just making some racket for God, it's called a disharmony in the church, and actually Paul preaches against that. Because it's got to be in harmony. That's why we're sticklers with everything we do. They're really, they're really um, strict. No, we're serious about God's word. We want to lead you down the path that God has given this church. And if we let everybody just do what everybody wants to do, that no longer becomes Jesus to the cross. That becomes Jesus hanging out at Starbucks and never going to the cross. Y'all getting this? That's why this is so important, especially in the state our church is in. We're in this like fragile growth state. We're in this like, we're in this like, um, what's the thing? Seesaw? The seesaw? Is that what it's, right? Okay. I can't remember anything anymore. Um, we're like on a seesaw. And, and, and we're right at this pivot point, guys. I, I mean it with all my heart. That it's going to just flood open if we get into it. But we're just sitting there on this pivot point. Because everybody's just waiting for somebody else. Everybody's just waiting on somebody else. I am telling you, this will change on a level you've never seen. This is great, but it's going to go so much bigger to something you can't even see yet. 
I can see it. I've been seeing it for five years come January. It's going to come, and it's coming. So I'm trying to prepare the sheep to get on board because we got to do this together. Our reach is strong. When God's in it, our reach is strong. Israel always won the battle when God was in it. But we have to be in, in harmony and, and in the context of God's word, in bold, but sing with the Spirit. The Spirit is the common denominator in the church. Without the Spirit, there is no harmony. It's just flesh. That's why God gives us his Spirit through the baptism of his Spirit. And so that's what unifies the church. Isn't that good? God knew ahead of time that in order for his church to survive, the spirit was the glue. The vision was the glue. So it's good. It's good. When we, when we drift off that, it can start looking different than you planned. This goes for pastors. This goes for everybody because you can start kind of shaping things how you want. Everybody's flesh. And if you start shaping things how you want and you forget the vision it's, we become Peter. We become Peter. It's a self-serving thing. And that's not God's will, and it never will be. So we don't want to lead out of context so that the next leader doesn't lead out of context. We want to keep context of the text. The Bible is the backbone. Yes, I've said it. People say, do you preach the Bible at your church? Are you a church that uses the Bible? And I know it sounds funny, right? We're in, a, we're in a culture that wonders if churches have Bibles. Doesn't that tell you how messed up it is? Come on, somebody. It's disgusting. God is trying to show us that it's just, it's just being watered down. It just keeps getting watered down to where nobody knows nothing. And if, he, if, devil, if the devil can get everybody like a bump on a log and get them just to hang out with Peter and never go to the cross with the Christ, nothing happens. There's no resurrection without death. That's what I see. I'm not pointing to y'all. I'm just looking at y'all. I'm seeing it in the culture. That's what I see. It's just, it's just depleting. That's why we have to spark that thing. We have to light the spark. So get out your lighters and light something this week in the spirit. Not, not a larcenist or whatever. We don't want to do that. We won't do it in the spirit. We want to light somebody up on fire for God in a good way. We want to give them that last two Bibles. I almost gave it to the, to the contractor working yesterday, but then I, my, my flesh got annoyed about something else, and I said, I, I can't do that right now. I'm not in the right spirit. We had two Bibles left, Jen, and there was two contractors. I said, you know what? That might be for them. And I didn't do it because I forgot after I got distracted. But it's just like those little moments are what build the church. That's what builds the church. We had so many cool testimonies from Carlene who gave out Bibles to her grass and lawn people. And then they, they asked for more Bibles. Now, if one of y'all can give it to your lawnmower person and he comes back asking for more, what, all, what do y'all think the rest of us can do? It's that easy, isn't it? Isn't that good? It's just a little seed at a time. That is what fulfillment is in the, in the walk. It's not about us. It's about us touching the lost. And we become leaders as we follow. Y'all getting this? Can I get an amen or something? Like, this is good. Like, give me a thumbs up or something. Thumb, how about a thumb? Okay, I got a thumb up. Okay, I keep going. We can speak boldly, but we have to listen humbly. I can be really cocky for God's kingdom, but in the quiet gen, I'm like a little kid saying, I don't know, God. Please make this your way or I don't want it. 
You have to stay bold to the public and humble in the presence of God so you can be confident in your deliverance, so you can be confident in what you're doing. And there's actually, it's good to stay humble always, but I'm saying if, if you're bold, but when you go home at night, you're not humble before the sight of God, something's wrong. Something's wrong at the foundation. We have to stay humble because that's how we hear. We can't hear if we're not humble. He's, Jesus says, listen with your spiritual eyes, see with your spiritual eyes and listen with your spiritual ears. And you can't do that. You can't have a revelation unless you're humble. Are you leading today with unintentional misdirection? He said, get behind me. Verse 23, I'm going to read that again. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but, but merely human concerns. How many of y'all would respond to that well if, you know, um, my dad or Pastor Vince or Nate or Mike or somebody walked up and they said, get behind me, Satan, after church today while you're at the coffee thing. <laughs> you, I'm, I'm never coming back to that church. They called me Satan. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm trying to give you context here that, that, that when you think about how that felt, especially from someone you love, someone you respect, and they call you the devil, it can hurt your pride, but if you're humble, it'll help your heart. It hurts your pride. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. So if you want to trip really good down the hills of the devil's playground, just be prideful because it's the opposite of being humble. And when we are humble, God can grow our heart in understanding. We can't be led if we're standing in front of Jesus. Isn't it, isn't it funny that even though they were face-to-face, we think, he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, there's a literal and a spiritual and a very illustrative thing Jesus did here. He not only cast, that was a, a figure of speech to cast the enemy out, get behind me, be under my feet. But he also told Peter, you're behind me. I am the great shepherd, says the Lord. So Jesus says, I am leading this. You have to be behind my teaching. You getting this? Peter says, I got my own vision. Jesus, you're going to stay and we're going to go get mochas, extra hot pumpkin spice. This, no, he says, get behind me. I mentioned coffee, everybody wakes up. I mentioned Starbucks, everybody's like, oh, I like this church. But God's word is good. And God also has a, Jesus also has a, always has a parallel. So not only did he cast the demon out, but he's saying, get behind me as you're leading out of context something I did not call you to. You're hurting this. You're stopping this. Just look to your neighbor, Tom. Just get behind me. Just, just get behind me, please. You know how you feel if someone cuts in line. Y'all been in the McDonald's with the two, the two, mer- the two checkouts, and y'all fighting to see who gets to merge in first to get to the window first, like you're going to die if you don't get your McNuggets in the extra two minutes of waiting. They're going to kill you anyway. You know how it feels when someone cuts you off in line, Right? Now God's saying, that's how I feel. Y'all cutting me off in line. Jesus saying, I formed the line. I formed the direction. Y'all step in front of me. Nobody likes to be butt in front of. How many ever fight over a parking spot in a parking lot? 
Come on, we're, we're about honesty here. How many, how many will spend five minutes to get the first spot than to take the two minutes just to walk from the back of the lot? How many, how many lose their Jesus when someone squeezes right in in front of them? <laughs> okay, let's get, a little, let's get a little sketchy in here. What I'm saying is, look how offended we get when someone gets in front of us. Now, how do you think God feels when we step in front of him? We step in front of his word. We start, we start driving with another word. The devil don't like that word. He tried to break the speaker. Get behind me, Satan. Get under my feet. The heel will bruise the head and all his generations to follow. But you can't be led if you're standing in front of the Messiah because you're acting as him. You're acting as the shepherd. And Jesus says, in order to follow me, you have to bear your cross and follow me, not I follow you. God says, I don't follow you. You have to follow me because one is flesh and one is not. And we can actually damage people and their walk. Fragile people, God's people are fragile, especially when, when they don't know the word. And we can damage them with, with, with I call spitting, slinging the word out of context. We can hurt people because we want to be so philosophical. We just, we just send them into a state of confusion to say, I'm never going back to church. What they said was so confusing. God's word was not meant to be confusing, just so y'all know. Look at his first 12. Were they scholars? No, they were normal people hungry for God and what he had brought. And, and that's, that's how God's word was meant to receive. If it's so, so confusing that you, you can't even process it, maybe something's off there. It shouldn't be confusing. The devil is the author of confusion, not God and his word. I want to tell you a funny story here. It's funny now. Um, I probably told you this. One of... Year one, year one, we had a gentleman come into the church, and this happened more than once, different people. He came in, he was spiritually strong, <clears throat> bold, led by the Spirit. He appeared, looked faithful, looked nice. He was super polite. He comes up after the message. This is in the high school. He says a couple things that I thought, okay. He says, that was really good. Did you know most pastors fail at this, most quit when they start. I said, thank you for the encouraging word, my friend. You are such a blessing. <laughs> I said, yeah, you know, it's not for everybody. That's why God's got to be in it. I just kicked the devil back in the teeth. I said, if God's in it, it doesn't fail. And I looked him dead in the eye. I said, that's good. But thank you for that. And he says, you know, how do you say it? How do you say it? God told me to give you a microphone headset. How many have heard this story? A few of you. You know, like, a, like one of these kind of mics instead of this kind of mic. And God told me, and then he told my wife separately. He told her. The Spirit told both of us at the same time to give you a headset, to bless you with that. And, and I totally think he meant well. And I didn't have the nerve to say, well, I have one sitting in the back there. I just don't like using it. I have a Sennheiser. It's like Top of the line. It's great. When we have guest speakers, well, they can use it. But uh, I didn't tell him on that because he was so strong that God told him that and his wife told him that. And so I'm thinking, this is great. What a generous thing. And then he goes, you know, I don't think uh, we want to be, you know, part of your church. But here's a couple books. 
and we do this marriage class. And, you know, I don't know if you, here we are in a high school. There's like 10 people. There's no money. And, yeah, we want to bring you in and just pay you to teach some marriage classes. Brother, hello. You know, I almost want to shake him in Jesus' name and say, what are you thinking, dude? Like, where, 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 is, your, where is your discernment? And so the pastor said, dude, is that okay? I don't know. It comes out of me. It's my flesh. So, so he, 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 he took the gift to set up his solicitation. You getting this? Now, this was a man strong in the Lord who had, here's what, here's what happens all the time, guys. We'll link a spiritual confirmation or affirmation to a gesture of something we want to pull from God's house. And that is not the Bible. That is not the Bible. That is basically taking God's word and, and positioning it to draw in something for your personal gain. Now, I don't know if he was uh, conscious of this, but it was very clear that was the intent when he said, you know, we have these classes for $9.99 or your money back in 12 months. You can just swipe your credit card. Like, he didn't say all that, but that's what I'm thinking in my, my, my robot brain, that he was setting me up to solicit. And when he softened me with the gesture and God's word spoke it, I would feel vulnerable. Does that feel like something God would want to do to set up your vulnerability so he can take? No, that is exactly what Peter did. Now are you getting this? That's exactly what Peter did. It was, it was meant to be good. And I still believe, Vince, that, that that gentleman thought he was doing something good for God. But I just saw Satan all over that. I didn't feel the presence of God. I felt, I felt deceit. And, and, and I knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit because I had the mic backstage anyway. So I always use that story because, because people come in like a wolf and they start leading out of context and they'll destroy your house. You got to get them out. You want to stay strong, stay small, but trim the branches. You never heard a pastor say they'd rather be small and strong than big and fragile. You got to prune the branches in your life. You got those people around you doing the same thing in your personal life, not just at church. You got people in your job. They're cutting you down with their, with their, uh, their passive aggressiveness. You know, you, you know those people you can never quite tell. Are they being funny? Are they being serious? That's called passive aggressive. It's because deep down they're critiquing you. They're driving, they're driving you away from that thing that God put on your heart, that maybe you had an ambitious goal. They start leading out of context to whoever. The devil don't like growth. The devil don't like change. The devil don't like disruption. That's why when I get up here, I act a fool for Jesus because I like to dis disrupt that, that rigid, traditional way of thinking that if I don't live in this box, my life is not the right way. God says there is no boundary to this. You're living inside a box that was meant to be boundaryless for the kingdom. And so that is a revelation we have to have to seek God for, for something we don't even know is good for us yet. Y'all getting this? All right. Verse 26. Jesus says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The church is 50% people want affirmation. They're not wanting change, Jen. That's why they don't stay. People come in looking for affirmation. Good job. We want to love people. 
We want, we want them to be encouraged. Absolutely. We want to lift them up when they're here because sometimes this is the best day of their week. But when they come in looking for affirmation of what they already know, they won't grow. And eventually, their leading starts infiltrating your culture. It's, 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 the, it's the Instagram way. It's affirmation. We're looking for affirmation, not understanding. And I'm preaching hard on this because this is who I've been a lot of my life, is that I'm really not wanting what I think I want. I'm wanting to show people what I think I already am. Because deep down, I don't know. So really, I'm, cl- I'm, I'm wanting the residual impact of claiming something, but I'm not really coming in hungry for the food. And that's the difference. That's the difference between uh, uh, seat warmers and mission-minded evangelists. That's the difference. And we are all led to lead the mission as evangelists. You can call that an old school word. That's what we are. We're leaders for God's kingdom. So what happened to Peter? Did he quit? You think Peter threw in the towel after this? This is what I love about Peter, Mike is that he didn't like it, that he didn't understand it. So he went after God even more and served even more. And then, and then guess what Peter did? He failed a few more times. We all do. It never stops. But God had to keep doing this with Peter until Peter had the light bulb go off. And we know the story when Jesus went to the cross and they were questioning the apostles. They, they were asking him, you know, does any of you know this man? And, and, and they asked Peter, who was like in the courtyard, and he said, oh, no, no, bleeps, through, through cuss words, whatever I got to do to blend in with the crowd. And they said, we know your accent. You're from where he's from. We saw you with him. He denied him three more times, right? And remember, Jesus says, you're going to me, deny me three times before the rooster crows. And when you hear the rooster crow, you're going to have the revelation. Because that is when he was humbled into expectation. That is when it happened. When, G- when Peter wept, he was humbled into the expectation Jesus had for him. See, he was humbled into it. What do I mean? That means when God got him in this fragile state, so humble that he finally say, my ways were false. The rooster crew, crowed, however you say that. He wept. Now, God's ready to use him for real. Now, God's ready to use him for real. And we know what happened to Peter. Peter and Paul became the two greatest apostles of the New Testament in all the writings, all the preaching. They changed lives. Jesus was the one preaching on the day of Pentecost when the, fe- the Spirit first came in the upper room. It was Peter. This is really good. I want you all to listen to this. When you feel like God's picking on you, it's because he's picking you. Are you getting this? When you think he's just so hard on me, oh, Pastor Jeff is so hard, he just doesn't take no. It's because he's picking you. God is trying to pick you, and so when you feel the pressure that he's picking on you, it's because he's trying to pick you. That's good. Get behind me, devil. He wasn't talking to Peter. Y'all said, see, see, y'all missed that. He wasn't even talking to Peter. He was talking to the devil in Peter. Jesus knows more. He saw in the spirit, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say, get behind me, Peter. Did y'all catch that? Or just breeze through it, thinking about lunch. He didn't say, get behind me, Peter. 
He said, get behind me, Satan, who is the spirit that was on Peter, trying to misuse Peter out of his lack of understanding and context for his leadership. Because he was leading then. That is so good. And so God had to humble him into expectation. Humbleness leads to hearing God and understanding God. And without humbleness, we stay blind. We stay blind. God is so good as we walk into things. God is so good, we stay blind. Until God can humble us, he can open our spiritual eyes to see. I don't know if y'all heard the figure of speech, God equips who he calls. The biggest misconception of being used by God, trust me, because I believed this myself for a long time, because the devil was lying to me, is that when I'm prepared, then I'll go. God says, I equip who I call. So when you go, I will equip. But until you go, I can't equip. So quit telling yourself you've done too much sinful things. Look at David. He, he had the worst life at times. Like God will use anybody who has a hungry heart and God will change your future. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday anymore. It doesn't matter. So don't let that be deception by the enemy to stop you from moving into your leadership call, into your direction for God. Y'all can stand with me. The pressure of adjusting will cause us to adjust accordingly. It's like water. How many ever dealt with water on a property when there's no water? And they say, if you don't drain it right, water just goes where it can find. And that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, like, it's like the pressure of adjusting to God's calling will just just push you into the path that God is trying to take you. It's like water. It will just find it. You're not finding it. God is pulling it down with the gravity of the Spirit. Isn't that good? So when you leave today, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about maybe, maybe the leadership thing is confusing you because you think that's too official. We've declared everyone here is a leader, and I want you to go in my leadership. Anybody I have influence on, whether it's my dog, my kids, my neighbors, am I, am I unintentionally misguiding them in different ways? Am I unintentionally misguiding them in God's word? Am I telling them not to do things that the Bible says maybe they should? Because I just assumed it was okay since I never did it either. But now I've actually contradicted the word which says, yes, bear up the cross. Well, they don't really have to bear the cross. Jesus just loves them anyway. Jesus loves everybody, but the Bible says pick up that cross. So even if I didn't pick up that cross, I would still tell somebody else they need to pick up their cross. Pick up the cross. It doesn't doesn't matter. I I failed to carry my cross, yes. But you pick up your cross because that's what God's word said. You get this? I won't compromise God's word to fit my past so that I can steer you down the same path of brokenness that I went. I'm going to steer you according to his word and not lead out of context. Amen? All right. I'm going to leave you with this. God wants to shape you, but in order to be shaped, you must become clay. If you're a fine piece of pottery, already been through the furnace, and you're stuck the way you are, maybe someone should come up and just kind of put a couple cracks in it with the Lord. Put a put a how many are feeling old right now and everything hurts when I say put a couple cracks in it? Uh, Chloe yesterday, she said, Dad, can I lay by you? And she went to lay by me, and somehow her knuckle went right in the side of my knee joint. And I yelled, Chloe, you just broke my knee. And she said, Dad, I'm sorry, all I did was touch you. 
I said, I don't know, but it really hurt. Your, your knuckle hit my knee. See, she put a crack in me, a real crack. <laughs> I'm just joking, y'all. God has to get you back to a state of clay to keep using you because he's going to keep reshaping you. He's going to keep remolding you. You're never going to be the finished product after the furnace. He's going to keep remolding you and keep reusing you because he's the only finisher and author of our faith. Let's pray. God, I pray this message got to somebody's heart today. I pray that they take it out of their cultural understanding of leading and they take it back to the Bible of what being a disciple is, that we are all called to lead, to impose your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So give us this daily bread so that we can keep feeding the sheep with your word. And if we take away the bread and we take away your word, we can't feed the sheep. So God, let us never lose the center of that, that we can be bold, but we can never not be humble. We can never be blind, God. If we get blind, clear our eyes up. Help us see it right. Help us adjust according to your word, God, so that we can find that path of water to take the people in their heart. We give you thanks, God. We know the church is in a crazy state right now in this country. People don't know the need for their church, God. We want to show them that this is the only hope they have. You are the only hope they have. There is nothing that sustains in this world except you, God, into the heavens. And that is the only hope man has. We're going to keep preaching that. We can talk it softly right now. I don't have to scream it because your word is powerful, even spoken softly, God. We give you thanks. We preach it now. We keep it truthful now. We take it into the world and the house of God could say in Jesus' name, amen.